1: Hey, everyone, welcome to the Red World Football Podcast, the final one of week 13. If you didn't check it out, Thursday's episode is Ray Summerlin with Nick Minzio Retriever. I listen to it on the way to work and I learn a lot. Um, it's good, it's good all the way up until Sunday. So check it out, especially for this final week of most likely your regular season in fantasy football. Um, and if you have not, please rate and review the podcast if you already subscribed, either on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you do that, one, it helps us reach a new audience, and two, Evan Silva, who is on Skype right now, might just give you a compliment. So, Evan, let's start off with Infra Ren, um... Mm-hmm. He shouts out. I mean, he, he's a loyal listener. Let's put it this way. Oh,
0: right? yeah. No, I, I, I know in for oh, Do know. you?
1: I, I won't go through all yeah. of the spiel, but he he shouts out Rich Rebar's non Oswalian quarterbacks. He shot shouts out <laughs> Ray Summerlin and the pumpkin pie cake. Um, there's more to this, but man, he, he's a loyal listener. And so this must be a good one coming from you, a compliment, I'm, I'm
0: guessing. Yeah, his name's Andrew. He's, I mean, this is like a, a real compliment. He's, you know, he, he's a grinder, man. He's a, he's a smart dude. Uh, you know, he, he's got a lot of football knowledge. Um, yeah, a lot, lot of respect for Andrew.
1: Uh, 45, Mike Check, twelve three. He loves Raymond's work. Um, and then he adds, Silva is good, too. Uh, <laughs> podcasts are a perfect link. A winning formula. Evan, he likes your work. He says it's good but mm-hmm. maybe not up to par with Raymond's. At least that's how I'm taking it. I'm, I wasn't great at reading comprehension growing up, but that's my takeaway.
0: That's all right. I think this guy is like a really good driver. He, he's not one of those drivers that, uh, like you, you, to be a good driver, you actually have to drive somewhat fast. Right. Uh, you, you, you don't want to be, yeah, you want to be a little bit, you, you want to be like cautiously aggressive is, right. is the way to describe it. Um, and you want to like aggressively get out of people's way too when they're passing you and right. you don't, you don't hog the left lane. Um, I, I would you know, probably need- say
1: one of 45 Mike check, 12 threes life goals might be to get that like all state state driver or safe driver discount. You know that, what that commercial is?
0: <laughs> yeah, that could be what all this is. Uh, that, About? that's the end, end goal of all this. Yeah.
1: <laughs> all right, Evan, let's move on to some fantasy football as the train passes. Let's start off with with maybe like the number one tight end in fantasy football right now. Mm -hmm. One, because everyone else hurt. And two, he's put on, what, the first time in his career, back-to-back 100-yard games. And that is Travis Kelsey going up against the Atlanta Falcons. Um, Obviously, this offseason, Atlanta added a lot of defenders, Deion Jones, Keanu Neal, both guys, both rookies playing well, in my opinion. Um, How do you think Travis Kelsey stacks up this week in that matchup?
0: Yeah, and the last time I really liked him was against Carolina, and he was a big flop. That was uh, Macklin's first game out, um, and he really did not pay dividends that week. It was Tyreek Hill got like like 10 catches that week. Um, But Travis Kelsey's back in another spot. The way to attack the Falcons' defense is to go after their rookie linebackers. We saw the Cardinals do that a lot with uh, Jermaine Gresham. Last week, mm-hmm. who popped up for a, a solid week? Jermaine Gresham had ten targets. David Johnson going at those linebackers had eleven targets. Um, you know the, the 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 Falcons linebackers are rookies: Devondre Campbell and Deion Jones. The Chiefs don't you Spencer wear a lot in the passing game. I wish that they would more because he's made a lot of big plays in the passing game. But if the chiefs are going to go after the linebackers for the Falcons, the best way to do it would, would be with Travis Kelsey. Uh, there are a lot of reasons to like players in this game, period. There's a high total. It's inside of a dome. Uh, and Travis Kelsey, like you mentioned, back to back hundred yard games has right. three hundred yard games in his last five. So he's rolling right now. I think Macklin might come back and be limited, We'll see on that, but uh, this is a great spot for Travis Kelsey. And just talking
1: about it from a schematic point of view, um, it's not like Seattle's defense is great against tight ends, and everyone always talks about their you know back seven being talented. And for the mm-hmm. most part, obviously, this Falcons defense runs the same defense, right? So that there mm-hmm. are open areas for the tight end. So completely makes sense. Um, obviously, with this Gronk injury news, a lot of people are going to be scrambling for tight end options. Um, obviously, Jordan Reed is almost 100% out, right? And so that means Vernon Davis is going to be in the starting lineup. Uh, Usually in those instances, he plays over, what, 90% of the snaps. But it's a really difficult matchup up against the Arizona Cardinals. Um, What about Vernon Davis? Is is there going to be enough just play volume that he's a decent play at this travesty of a tight end position? Or is there actually some upside and some optimism there?
0: Yeah, I think this is a game where the Redskins will probably struggle to run the ball a little bit on – the Cardinals stout defensive front. And I think that there's going to be a lot of targets in the middle of the field. Uh, You know, you you don't attack the Cardinals on the boundary uh, with with Patrick Peterson. You you go at them in the middle of the field. Vernon Davis is going to run a lot of routes in the middle of the field. Vernon Davis has been spectacular this year. I mean, on a efficiency basis, he's been one of the best tight ends in football. I mean, he's caught 84% of his targets. He's blocked. Well, um, Can he's I average changed. Uh, I, I think just getting out of San Francisco and he was terrible in Denver last year too. Um, but just, you know, getting out of the, those bad environments and, you know, maybe, I mean, you know, may, maybe personal stuff. I mean, right. he's not an old guy. I think he's only 31 years old. Um, and, and he, he was still, you could still see that he was a great athlete, uh, in Denver last year, even though he was dropping everything, but this year he's been catching everything. The matchup, you know, the, the batter versus pitcher, uh, the, you know, the, the position versus defense is really bad for Vernon Davis this week. Uh, but Vernon Davis, when, when Jordan Reed missed two games earlier in the season, Vernon Davis was on the field for 97% of the snaps, uh, in those two games. So I think this is a game where Kirk Cousins, probably projects for no fewer than 34 than 35 pass attempts and could inch up close toward 50 Uh, and that would you know give a a lot of opportunity to the pass catchers Um, and we'll we'll talk about another guy in the middle of the field in the same game that I really like as well
1: yeah and and just in that same token that you talked about the last matchup which is Kansas City in Atlanta that's a 49 over under as we record this podcast and you know, the Redskins in Arizona is 49 and a half. Let's, let's just move on right now to Jamison Crowder, um, that other name that you were talking about. And you, you said that this is an area to attack the team in the middle of the field. Look, I, I mean, I'll, I'll say it. The Redskins and Kirk Cousins have not been good in terms of passing in the red zone, but a lot of those targets are obviously going to Jamison Crowder. And this is someone who, Evan, if we want to look back a little bit and not to hog the floor here, but he was a complete leap of faith coming out as a draft prospect out of Duke, right? Um, his testing, if mm-hmm. you know, ever want to look at a mock draftable, was like absolutely horrendous, like amazingly bad. And I still liked him. Right. Because I loved him before that. And I thought he would test well because um, I thought he was kind of like a golden Tate type. Um, and he's he's turned out to be really, really good. I mean, the most consistent, you know, pass catching threat on this offense this season. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's got six straight games now of 85 plus yards and or a touchdown. So he's been one of the most consistent wide receivers in fantasy over the last month and a half. Uh, When Jordan Reed missed two games earlier in the year, Jamison Crowder had a touchdown in one of them. uh, and He went over 100 yards in the other one. And if you look at the receivers that have had success against the Cardinals this year, they all kind of fit into that Jamison Crowder archetype. Uh, Adam Thielen had a good game against them uh, Taylor Gabriel is a little, little bit more of like a gadget player than Jamison Crowder but he had a big game against them um, Stefan Diggs was running a lot of slot routes and got shadowed by Patrick Peterson and Jamison Crowder should not have to deal with that this week he still had six catches when he went up against the Cardinals uh, Adam Humphreys had a six catch game uh, Baldwin Doug Baldwin had a six catch game um, so you know, I think that we will see Patrick Peterson primarily on Deshaun Jackson and Jamison Crowder should have a lot of opportunities in the middle. Does that mean he's going to face off against Tyrone Matthew? Yeah. You know, Tyron Matthew has not been a shutdown defender this year. Okay. He's been injured a lot. Uh, you know, I think he's a great player. I think that when he gets back to a hundred percent, he will be a great player again, but right now I'm not really viewing, uh, you know, him as someone to fear. Jeremy Curley, by the way, also had two big games against the Cardinals. Same sort of usage as Jamison Crowder. One of those big games by uh, Jeremy Curley actually incur- occurred with Tyran Matthew in the lineup. He, uh, he, he beat Tyran Matthew for a, co- for a big play.
1: Let's uh, close out with some running backs. Um, the first is LeGarrette Blount. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll keep it simple. Like, obviously, the formula kind of exists for this to be a LeGarrette Blunt game, right? The Patriots are favored by like almost two touchdowns uh, there at home um, now with all this Gronk news as well. I mean, he wasn't expected to play, but uh, yeah. I mean, is is there any sort of pessimism for the blunt or are you just going to continue to hype him in this contest?
0: There is pessimism because in general, the Rams have the talent to be a good run defense and over the course of the year have played good run defense more often than they have played bad run defense. Mm-hmm. However, over their last three games, they've gotten straight gashed. Uh, they've given up almost six yards per carry to opposing running backs. Uh, the, you know it, It's always a prime spot when you get LeGarrett Blunt in a game where uh, the Patriots are big favorites, and the Patriots are favored by almost two touchdowns in this game. Um, you know, you, you have a lot of injuries. Tom Brady looked hobbled at times last week. Gronkowski's out. It looks like maybe for the rest of the season. Martellus Bennett and Julian Edelman both missed practice on Wednesday. They were back on Thursday, and I think they'll play. Um, but I think that this will be a the, – the formula will be similar to what the Saints did to the Rams last week and that was attack the rams with short passes mm-hmm. and then try to and you know get a lead and then try to run the ball down their throat
1: i'm just saying when you move a linebacker to the inside like alec ogletree who does not like contact mm-hmm. uh <laughs> kind of happens that's an issue it kind of happens when you get run over <laughs> and, by a guy like the Mont.
0: <laughs> and i also wonder if there are some things going on with the rams right now you know they're they're kind of like the laughing stock of the league. Right. You know, I don't know. Are, are they going to show up and and are they going to show up and give their best effort on Sunday? I mean, their coaches, you know, he, like he doesn't even know the personnel for the for the opposing team. It was hilarious, uh, man. That's, that's yeah. That's
1: like I understand that coaches typically refer to players on opposing teams by their numbers, but mm-hmm. he, he didn't even do that, right? Like he just he just made up old names from their roster. It was amazing. Yeah. Um but Aaron Donald's playing still well. So like at least you yeah, have something to stud. deal with. He's he's a, he might be like the best defensive player in the league. Um yeah, and as Rich Rebar points out, um LeGarrette Blount averages 17 points when New England is favored by 10 plus in the last 3 years. So that definitely fits this one. Uh let's close out Evan with Melvin Gordon. Um you know what a name that obviously for the first half of the fantasy season uh was an absolute stud. I'm not saying he hasn't been as of late, but he hasn't been ranking up there. You know, with the uh, David Johnsons, the Le'Veon Bell's, the Lashawn McCoy's, so on and so forth. What, what, what about uh,
0: Melvin Gordon this week? Well, he's not as good as those guys. True, right? He, he, yeah. He, even though he, I mean, he's better than uh, what he looked like as a rookie and probably early in the season. He's better than that but he's you know he's not nearly as good as those other studs but he gets worse he gets work and usage very similar to those guys and now we have the buccaneers coming off a very emotional very emotional uh, home game win against the best team in the NFC they they were able to upset the seahawks now traveling across the country to san diego to face a pretty good chargers team i know the chargers one loss record is not great they lost a lot of games with just stupid late game miscues but they have a pretty good team um, and i think that this is a, a good spot for for melvin gordon to to face this this buccaneers team that seems primed for a letdown after that huge home win Um, I think that the Chargers should be able to put up a lot of points here I also like Antonio Gates to bounce back he got a zero last week Mm -hmm. um, but he has scored a touchdown in three of his four home games this year I, I think that we could see a lot of points in this game and I think that Melvin Gordon would benefit from a game like that
1: I just want to reiterate for Cowboys Twitter out there that Evan called the Seahawks the best team in the NFC and not the Cowboys is that correct
0: did I hear that correctly I mean, they're both awesome. You know, I don't, maybe, maybe, I, should, right maybe I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I love the Cowboys. I, I love right. the Cowboys. I know. You know I, I, love, I love the Cowboys philosophy and, and all that stuff. I think that the Seahawks are a more complete team right. than them, but they're also very different teams. You, you know, very, I mean, they are like polar opposites,
1: opposites almost. Right. Yeah. Um, cool, Evan. Thanks so much, buddy. I'll talk to you next week.
0: Awesome, Josh. Thanks.
1: And for everyone else, here comes Roto Pat with his rankings. Check it out. All right, back here with Roto Pat Patrick Doherty. I actually said Patrick Doherty on one of my shows today, and I instantly criticized myself, like in my <laughs> head, and I'm like, "Why did you do that? Take it
2: back." For but some reason, it's it's one of those names that like I people will have mastered and then they'll lose it. Yeah, I, I don't know, I don't know why it's so ridiculously hard to pronounce. Just change I mean, the spelling I've, of it. I've been I've been married for two and a half years and with the same girl who's now a woman <laughs> and a mother <laughs> we've been that was the been, most awkward way of saying that yeah it was but anyways we've been together like let me think about that, like a really long time like yeah t- 12 12 like 13 years or something almost yeah yeah it was see love Not is real america still but... still traditional midwestern values out there yes um but long story short, my mother-in-law, who I've known forever, like still can't really pronounce the last name correctly. But but the point and, of the whole
1: thing is, is that you started dating before you were a fantasy football writer. Right. Because afterwards, I, I mean, I know I'm a lost cause. That's a
2: good point. Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've made sure to have uh, all those situations on lockdown before See, uh, coming out as a fantasy football writer. I didn't, so so
1: I'm, I'm just looking forward to getting a dog.
2: So, uh, <laughs> a really small dog too. No, the no.
1: Heck no, never small dogs. Pat, let's let's pick on your rankings. And I know that this name, Colin Kaepernick, is the one that everyone's discussing, right? But you're on somewhat of the opposite end of the spectrum on this. Now, maybe in a vacuum, Colin Kaepernick at quarterback ten where you currently have him, and again, these rankings are subject to change and they're up on Roto World. Um But right now at quarterback 10, that's like super on the low end of the spectrum. Um, Just to start off with, like what are you concerned about with this matchup at Chicago?
2: I mean, it's just at the end of the day, it's not that good of a player on a really, really bad team headed on the road for like what's going to be a really low scoring game. I mean, he's been... He's been more fantasy good than actually good. That's finally kind of started to converge a little bit in the past few weeks, where like I feel like it's not just like empty fantasy production. Like he was pretty good against the Dolphins last week, but the Bears. I mean, even though they're suffering so many injuries, so many suspensions, I mean they've been a fairly tough defense all year, especially at home. And I just I I'm comfortable with Kaepernick's floor at this point. Because you know the rushing usage has been pretty consistent and running more than he has in a number of years, but just has so few playmakers at his disposal. I mean, I see very little reason to think this is going to be a high-scoring game. And right. I mean, what are the odds that Colin Kaepernick really gets more than two touchdowns this week? So I like the floor, but I just I just don't see this insane ceiling that everyone's trying to ascribe to him now after you know uh, two uh, or three man. really good games.
1: And th- yeah, and if if I'm going to look back on my outlandish you know remarks on Colin Kaepernick in that I think he's going to be a top 3 maybe top 5 well top 5 maybe top 3 is a better way of saying that this week and you pointed it out i mean the over, the the expected point total for San Francisco is just 20 like 20 and a half so that's not very much as you're putting it but let's talk about like some of the quarterbacks around him in that same range okay you have Kirk Cousins as quarterback 8 and Matthew Stafford at quarterback nine and Pat, I'm actually deciding and everyone wants to hear about my fantasy team, but I'm actually (laughs) deciding between Matthew Stafford and Colin Kaepernick this week. And I'm definitely going Kaepernick. So maybe why you like cousins a little bit more and, and Stafford too, if you want to add on to that.
2: Well, cousins, I just feel like people look for like any reason to pull the plug. Like, Oh, he's playing, he's playing like a, a sort of good defense this week. Like Kirk cousins has got to be the QB 15 where he's been so consistent. I mean, there's, Maybe like two or three more players who are a better bet, like have a higher weekly touchdown floor than Kirk Cousins. His yardage floor is extremely high at this point, and the Cardinals' defense is tough. But I mean, like, I just feel like the Redskins are going to have the ball all afternoon. I mean, the Cardinals' offense is really deteriorating. They're going to be on the field a lot. There's going to be a lot of volume opportunity there. He so rarely doesn't hit his volume that I don't really get this panic of like removing Kirk cousins from like the top 10 or 12 as like a lot of people think I should be doing. So he's just been, he's been so consistent for two years now. I just, and the the Cardinals defense, I feel like they're just kind of slowly losing their mojo. Hmm. And even without Jordan Reed, I'm just, I'm not that concerned about Kirk cousins this week. Um, How crazy do you think if someone starts
1: Colin Kaepernick over Ben Roethlisberger? How crazy
2: is that? Very, very, very crazy. Okay. I mean, the last time Ben Roethlisberger was at home, he literally completed 37 of 45 passes for 400 yards. I mean, benching Ben Roethlisberger at home is basically a complete non-starter. You got you got, you got the Giants coming off their Hawaiian Island Josh McCown weekend. I mean, they're going <laughs> to get they're gonna there, and they're not going to see it coming, basically.
1: Because uh, Ray and I, both on the show, said we would start Colin Kaepernick over Ben Roethlisberger.
2: You would seriously start Colin Kaepernick we both against the bear. I mean, I don't know. You guys.
0: <laughs> I'm just telling <laughs> you.
2: Is that the crux of Ray's rotopat impression, by the way? I don't know. Uh, because, I, don't know. <laughs> I don't
1: know. That's how it starts uh, always, with a little less wine.
2: By the way, i got to talk about Matthew Stafford. I don't know if we're going to – is that part of this question? Yeah, so
1: let, let's move on to kind of the Detroit team, right? Because this is a, a game that – has a fifty-three and a half over under. Obviously, New Orleans is expected to score twenty-nine, a little bit over that, and even Detroit on the road expected to score twenty-four going up against the Saints. So, um, I won't reel off every single name, but in order to score that twenty-four points, like people have to put up points. Yet, you have Matthew Stafford as quarterback nine, um, Theo Riddick as running back twenty-four, Golden Tate as wide receiver twenty-four, Marvin Jones as wide receiver thirty-eight. Like, where is all this production going to come from? if all these guys are kind of like outside of the top 12, almost top 24 of their their positions. I'm,
2: I'm prepared to defend all of this. Let's uh, do it. That could pretty easily be explained by like two Matthew Stafford touchdowns and like one Dwayne Washington touchdown and like two field goals, by the way. I mean, it's really not – it wouldn't be that hard for them to get uh, get a hit above 24. You don't have to come The scenario – with, with the scenario I just lined out. But, I mean, the Stafford thing is like out of control to me. Was, he's averaging – Two hundred and thirty-seven yards over his past eight games. Like that's m- half a season. I mean, they're playing like this extremely un friendly offense. He has only five touchdowns since week six. He's like the he's like the QB twenty-seven over the past five games. I mean, they're just trying to play. They're trying to be Cowboys Junior, basically, except without a running game. And I just. Yeah, I mean, clearly I think his floor is much higher than usual. I think he's probably gonna throw for three hundred yards for the first time since like two thousand fourteen this weekend. But QB even QB nine to me feels like a stretch for him because he just he shouldn't be been Colin like, Kaepernick. Well, okay. I mean <laughs> like I, I like his touch to me, they're basically a, a toss up, but I like Stafford's yardage floor more than Colin Kaepernick's. And you know, it is the supernome, so that's a good tiebreaker. So do you like Theoretic? No, what is the Standard League obsession with Theo Riddick? He he has one carry inside the five-yard line, like, all year. They don't don't treat him like a real running back. Even on Thanksgiving, where he kind of looked like a real running back, he looked kind of dynamic, I thought, and they still only give him, like, ten carries. So, I think, you know, he has four receiving touchdowns, but am, am I supposed to be predicting receiving touchdowns? I mean, I just feel like he's... I think he. I think Dwayne Washington's more likely to score a rushing touchdown than Theo Riddick. So, to me, I still. I just don't see. I don't understand what Theo Riddick's standard league case cases basically. I was very close to
1: making like a Pinocchio joke, about like I'm a real boy, and I'm a, <laughs> I'm a real running back.
2: He's been yeah. He's been gunning for that. They're not. They're not. They're not playing ball. So, sorry, poor Theo. Little Theo. Theo.
1: Ridoki, anyways, I'm done Um, right, and and, I I tried Golden Tate uh, God, Marvin Jones, man See, well
2: the problem with the Lions receivers is that they spread the ball around so much I mean, you got Golden Tate and Marvin Jones And Anquan friggin' Bolden And Theo Riddick and Eric Ebron So it's like Who am I supposed to predict there? I mean, Golden Tate is like I mean, a great game for a golden tate's like eight catches 77 yards so i just don't not willing to go a whole lot higher than like that bottom end wide receiver two range and i mean marvin jones i think had like 27 targets over his previous six games before his his four catch 11 target outburst on yeah. thanksgiving so i think that <laughs> was just kind of a <laughs> flu yeah so, um. so yeah Let's go to a a receiver. I I got to reemphasize my main defense though, of all my low lions ranks is you see how easily I explained to you, they'll hit that over and still uh, justify all my ranks. That's two Stafford touchdowns, one Dwayne Washington touchdown and two field goals. Write it down. Uh, I
1: wasn't listening. So, Um, (laughs) all right, we have Doug Baldwin as wide receiver seven. Uh, To me, that's way too high Pat. Like I know Doug Baldwin has played really well down the stretch and, he was great the second half of last season as well, and he's doing that so far this year. But the Panthers, one, for the most part, when at least somewhat healthy at defensive back, like healthier than or less healthy than they are now, let's put it that way, at the defensive backfield in terms of corners. They've done well against slot wide receivers, okay? And two, last year, uh, the Panthers did really well against Doug Baldwin. Um, so why have him as wide receiver seven in a matchup, pad that's... If I'm being honest, like, I think Seattle just, like, runs away with it and might actually get a running game going in some aspects.
2: Yeah, I mean, it is an insanely high ranking. Uh, it's, I'd, be, I'd be lying to you if I was like, oh, this is one of the rankings I'm, like, super thrilled about this week. But he's just been – he's been really, like, kind of quietly consistent despite having a reputation for kind of underachieving his, like, f- fantasy ADP this year, which he has done. He's averaging like almost 70 yards over his past six games. He, he's, he goes basically 660 every single week, which doesn't sound remarkable really until you look at some of the averages for some of the other guys. And I just think he has a really high floor right now. I think he's got pretty good touchdown odds against uh, a Panthers defense that's really kind of demoralized, uh, allowing the eighth most fantasy points to receivers. Apparently another uh, part of the, the typical Rotopat impression is mentioning cross-country road trips. Correct. But, uh, and
1: I'm about to correct you. But what they the Panthers stayed out uh, on the West Coast this whole week.
2: Oh, same difference though, man. They're like in that East Coast mindset, you know. <laughs> it doesn't matter if they've been like practicing in Santa Clara I was or waiting whatever.
1: For it too, man.
2: I yeah, you're waiting to it. bounce on that. But I just think Baldwin. It's it's just so volatile, basically. After the big four of like Antonio, Julio, Mike Evans, and I guess you can throw Odell and maybe Jordy in there. It's just, like, so volatile in, like, the 6 to 20 range right now that basically I'm more comfortable betting on Doug Baldwin's floor than I am, like, some of these other guys.
1: Uh, we mentioned it earlier in the episode. Evan really, 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 really likes Garrett Blunt this week. Um, Pat, I would say you just like Garrett Blunt. You have him <laughs> as, as running back 13. Uh, why not higher? I mean, you have guys like – and again, this is – Picking at straws? Is that the right term? I don't know. Anyways, grasping at straws. Grasping at straws. Lamar Miller, Carlos Hyde, Spencer Ware above him, Doug Martin is running back seven, and you have LeGarrette Blount as running back 13.
2: Yeah, you know, I can end up ticking him up a spot or two. This is one I have kind of struggled with. but And this is the pre-Gronk injury news as well. No, not I of... mean, I, this is, he was ranked as if Gronk wasn't going to play. Oh, okay. It. I was trying to I give mean, some it's... leeway. Yeah, <laughs> thank you, but uh, I chose not to accept it. It's just like... Uh, He just, his touch floor isn't high enough to me. He's like, uh, I wonder how many carries he's even averaging. It just seems like 15s is over under, and he has too many 13 carry games. And when you don't catch any passes, he's just, he's too touchdown or bust. And granted, he's scored a touchdown in almost every game this year. I think he hasn't, I think only three games where he hasn't scored. But to me, I just, it's too easy for me to envision the bottom falling out for LeGarrett Blunt. Whereas a guy like Lamar Miller, you know, always gets more carries than Blunt, and he actually catches passes. Hyatt is a high floor. I mean Matt Forte is a very high touch floor. So basically Blunt, he does one thing super well and he usually does it, that is score touchdowns. But he you know, when he when he doesn't do it though, he just he really doesn't he pay, he hurts you. Right. So and so, to me any higher than that just is a bit of a stretch. So you're not pro Rams? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I'm not. Uh, yeah, you know, Jeff Fisher, yeah, i hoping he's keeping a closer ball game than a 45 to 7 and 59 to nothing. Uh, the past two times he's faced Bill Belichick, those are real numbers, great. by the way oh. 107. Uh, so, yeah, you know, throwing Jer- the other side
1: that James White and Danny Woodhead are going to have great games. So,
2: yes, exactly. Danny Woodhead back from the dead. I mean, quick healer. Uh, I, I complete, we miss Roto world. Actually, we really screwed up. We never had him getting released by the chargers and signed by the Patriots. We somehow never blurbed that. I was on the so, clock
1: during that time. That was my fault. Yes.
2: That one's on us. Yeah, but, uh, us. yeah, it's gonna all be a close right,
1: game. Uh, thanks so much for everyone out there. You can check on Pat's rankings. Obviously they're updated all the way up until Sunday at kickoff. Um, and Pat, uh, oh, and also Pat has a video on <laughs> NBCSports.com. He was good last week. I haven't watched this week's yet, so
2: I don't think my my eye contact wasn't quite as solid this week. We're gonna work on that. For Pat, week 14. Pat is
1: like schmoozing to the camera and doing all this <laughs> stuff, and it's good. He was good last week, so everyone should check that out. I think it's embedded in his ranking, so at the very least, click on it and check it out. He was good last week, and again, I I, I can't give a review. Can't
2: speak for it this week. No, but.
1: I can't give you a compliment and review yet. So until next time, maybe um, Pat, have a good weekend, buddy. You too, Josh. And for everyone out there, um, obviously, rate and review the podcast really helps us out once again. Um, and I will talk to you all on Tuesday with the Raymond Summerlin Wave Wire podcast. See you then.
0: Reese's Peanut Butter Cups
1: are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, No, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
0: What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and
1: out of the bed of the new f one hundred and fifty. Thanks to its new available pro access tailgate that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F 150,
0: tough this smart, can only be called F 150. Available starting early 2024, pro access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and low capacity limited by weight and weight distribution.